politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our liberty, our culture, our sovereignty. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here for another terrific week in broadcast. It is June 21st, Monday. I hope you guys enjoyed your Father's Day weekend. Uh, Sadly, this year, Father's Day was hijacked by another weekend, another false flag. That is the new Kwanzaa holiday that they created. And, you know, I was just thinking as I was starting the show today, you know, in many respects, this whole fake Juneteenth thing was contrived as an assault on American culture, basically lodging the accusation that somehow blacks are more oppressed now than ever, and somehow that is the fault of anyone who happens to be white, or just anything else that's good about America's history and culture and whatever. But the reality is, as we all know, to the extent there are problems with certain individuals who happen to be black in inner cities and whatever, it's really because the father has been taken out of the home. The collapse of the family. And you see it in all the data. There was a recent study. I got to dig it up. Um, but you know, you see black families where um, they have a full family intact. It's you know pretty much like white families or anyone else. So ironically, they hijack Father's Day for this fake grievance holiday. But you know what? Republicans went along with it. It was so amazing to watch. Even Rand Paul, um, Rona McDaniel, you know, the RNC chairwoman, all these prominent Republicans, one after another, they would go on Twitter and say, happy Juneteenth, oh, somehow like retroactively, it's the greatest thing in history. And Twitter would automatically render that tweet if you would... Um, put the name Juneteenth in it, it would have a fist with uh, the rainbow in it, as in the sinful rainbow post uh, the Great Flood because of sodomy. So Republicans were willingly, all of them, phony conservatives, conservative organizations, all of them joined in in this fake contrived celebration. They were celebrating and having a symbol rendered on their Twitter feed that simultaneously embodied Marxism, black supremacism, right? That's the the fist, and the homosexual agenda. That is how quickly the Overton window of politics has shifted inexorably to the left. This is what politics is all about. Republicans will go five light years to the left along with the Democrats, and then they'll step back to the right three little steps and fight to the death over that little ground that separates the two. That is the political sphere that we have to remake. We need a new party. And again, this is very important. It's in, it embodies everything. The Republican agreement on Juneteenth is embodies in, in the Republican agreement on criminal justice reform, comprehensive immigration reform, COVID fascism, promoting the vaccines, that we're going to talk about today, tremendous amount of problems we're finding. We're, we're just finding the tip of the iceberg here. Now, before we uh, raise your blood pressure here, folks, if you are a wine drinker or a wine connoisseur, why drink liberal wine when you can go to conservativewine.com and get the most delicious-tasting conservative wine grown in the world? It's grown in the Andes Mountains in Argentina, up in their vineyards at 4,000 feet. Um, Folks, it's 90-point wine. It is great on barbecue. Incredible notes of blackberry, dark cherry, leather smoke. Certainly goes great with a steak, but they are having problems down there uh, with the mobs actually running loose and attacking vineyards in the mountains there. They have their own BLM. So while these delicious-tasting wines are still available, make sure you go to conservativewine.com. They have more shipments for our audience there, and they have been a terrific partner with this show. Again, go to conservativewine.com, get 50% off both shipping and price. Uh, There's nothing like ending off a day with just one cup of of 
wine when you are just so pissed off. So again, these are our folks at Bonner Private Wine Partnership, conservativewine.com. All right. So what all this stuff about Republicans joining in on Juneteenth, it, it, it reminded me of the secret recipe of the left's success. It really is very simple, and I'm going to give it to you right now. The recipe for their success is that they do. I know that was very anticlimactic. A two-letter two, two word. They do. They don't debate. They don't ask. They don't study. They don't equivocate. They don't vacillate. They do. They want something. They do it. It, it, what amazed me is how something so earth-shattering, basically supplanting July 4th, remaking American history, and, and the debate on the House Senate floor, I mean, it happened in a matter of a day. Boom, signed into law, done. We're going to spend $5 trillion on COVID. Stuff that used to take a decade to debate. Medicare, Medicaid, boom, do it, overnight. And both parties agree to it. We're going to let criminals out of prison. No one ever ever knew this happened. People are just discovering now. Really? Prison populations are down 30, 40, 50%? I didn't know that. They just do. See, the more you do something, the more it proves the veracity of your view. It doesn't morally prove it, but in the eyes of people, it does because it, it, something so wrong couldn't have possibly been implemented. The fact that it's done, it must make it right. That, that's how amazing it is. The more radical the left is, the more audacious they are, the more categorical they are in implementing their policies, the more successful they are. It bring back, brings back Barry Goldwater's old uh, adage at the, his famous uh, line at the, it, it, what is it, the 1964 uh, RNC convention. I would remind you that extremism in in the defense of liberty is no vice. And let me remind you that the moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. And if you think about it, it's political advice that I think is truer now than it was then. People were a little bit more nuanced back then. Now, people just, they don't understand things that aren't just straight up black and white. Either this or that. And the lesson to us should be that if the left is so successful at pushing stuff without even thinking, how much more so our views that are rooted in the Bible and morality and the Constitution and justice and true equal protection under the law, we just need to do that. In these so-called red states that we control, it's time to do it. Real criminal justice reform. Real enforcement against illegal immigration. End the vaccines. End COVID fascism. And I really shouldn't call them vaccines. mRNA shots, that's what they are. We should celebrate our own holidays. Have states suddenly give off state workers for Constitution Day. You know, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but... In Memphis, they're actually digging up General Forrest's grave. I'm not kidding you. They're digging up a Confederate general's grave. I mean, that drastic. That's how much they believe in their views. I give them credit. But sometimes the more categorical you are about something, not sometimes, this is always true, the more people believe you. Because people think that you can't possibly be that confident and then willing to do this if there, if there wasn't legitimacy to what you're doing. I always say this is how the left benefits from the fruits of their crime. What they do is so unbelievable that it's truly unbelievable. No one could believe that they would purposely let out violent criminals. No one could believe that they would purposely invade this country with 
caravans and cartels, no one would believe that they would concoct a vaccine and shame market and basically mandate it on everyone when there would be so many problems. So much technology that wasn't researched that they would mandate the masking of people when it totally doesn't work and is harmful and serves as a trap for pathogens and viruses and fungi. But it does. How much more so we need to have that zest, that zeal, that alacrity, that indefatigable energy in pursuit of justice and liberty. You got to give these guys credit. Truly amazing. Truly, truly amazing. But that's the thing. They're, they're just digging up graves of Confederate generals. And by the way, I mean, General Forrest was obviously considered the worst among them, not like, you know, Robert E. Lee, because he did start the KKK afterwards. But what people do forget is that at the end of his life, he regretted that. He repented. He actually embraced a black individual on stage. He held a whole event. Um, and he did reconcile before the end of his life. And I'm forgetting when that was. It was probably still in the 1800s, very early on, as compared to a lot of Democrat heroes like Woodrow Wilson, who were racist much later than that in life. Even some up until 30, 40 years ago. That's where we are, folks. It is amazing to me how they are willing to do things. They, they don't debate anymore. You know, I, I looked at, someone recently put out a map, a political electoral map of the county-by-county county returns on the marriage referendums. Remember when we had that around 2002, 2004, 2005, that era when 30 states or so all unanimously redefined, you know, uh, reaffirmed marriage as between a man and a woman, and most states by overwhelming margins, and I looked at it, and I said to myself, look at how they were able to change that in just a few years. Because there's just one side on the playing field. But that is the secret to their success. They make it ubiquitous. And, and here's the beauty of that. Here's the beauty. Technology has truncated the period of time through which it takes to convince people to change their minds. Because we have... Enough media saturation within a week that is more potent than, I don't know, six to 12 months worth of media last generation, even 15 years ago. So that's how quickly you could get people, oh, Juneteenth, Juneteenth, haven't you heard of Juneteenth? By the way, did you know that Barack Obama, fun fact, June 19th, 2013, that is the date Barack Obama gave the famous speech. If I had a son, it would look like he would look like Trayvon. It was a Trayvon Martin speech. So it was literally this issue on the day, and he made no reference to it. And he probably, I'm sure, never heard of it like the rest of us. That's how recently it was contrived. It has nothing to do with anything rooted in history. Oh, that there was a date that some people in Texas recognized that, that was the date they found out about the emancipation. Give me a break. No, it's all about here and now, a blood libel against our heritage and a blood libel against whites that most blacks don't give a darn about and never heard of like anyone else. It's ridiculous. Frankly, I'm sure in all 365 days of the year, there was a person in this country in some state that initially found out about the original emancipation. So perhaps maybe we should celebrate all 365 days a year and have the federal government shut down all 365 days. How about that? That's a compromise I could abide by. Now, folks, our second sponsor today, for those Republicans that don't know how to see straight, maybe they need some better spectacles from our friends at Go Specs Lenses. It's betterspectacles.com slash conservative. Uh, they, Better Spectacles, they are now offering Rodenstock eyewear. This is the best eyewear company in the world. They have over 500 patents. Ronald Reagan wore Rodenstock. Uh, my wife and I are now big fans of it. 
Uh, typically, I hated when my wife wore glasses because it would cover her gorgeous eyes. Um, but these really look good on her. And also, they offer much more energy, no neck strain, the ability to see 40% better because they really put this through all the algorithms that they've studied over the years. So go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative. If you don't want to wear a mask, you could schedule a teleoptical appointment uh, so you don't even have to leave your home. They're offering my audience an introductory 61% off their GoSpecs lenses plus free handcrafted rodent stock frames. Just visit betterspectacles.com slash conservative. Go now for better eyesight immediately. And folks, my eyesight certainly has been waning from studying over the past 15 months all these studies, the fine print on every aspect of COVID fascism. And what I am so amazed by the Republican Party, how they're willing to go along with this. How many Republicans do you know now questioning the poison of vaccines? How many of them are even to this day questioning the efficacy of masks? How many of them are questioning the circuitous relationship between government, big pharma, and media to not only rule over us, but rule over our bodies with experimental things that destroy ourselves while not solving the COVID issue. All the while boxing out stuff that actually works. So I want to do a rundown of some of the latest news on COVID fascism, uh, the virus, as well as therapeutics and the vaccine. I, I referenced this before, but Merck was one of the creators of ivermectin. Okay, ivermectin. And they came out and said, I don't know, we, we, we don't know if this is safe. You shouldn't use it. Now, that's a little bit bizarre because Merck was a big maker of ivermectin. I think they held the original patent. And you'd think they would champion it. And also, what does it mean they're, it's not safe if it's used every day for decades for all sorts of things, and we've never had issues with it. It's listed literally among WHO's most essential drugs that are safe and effective. But we have our answer. The U.S. government just gave them a $1.2 billion contract to develop. They're now in a stage three trial of this new, new, great wonder drug. Molnu Perever. Malnuprever. Yeah, I think it's like that. Malnuprever, something like that. 1.7 million courses of Malnuprever in the United States. The drug's going to cost $700 to $1,000 a pop. Well, I guess it's better than uh, remdesivir, which was 3000 But I think now we know, why would you dispense a product you make pennies on the dollar for if government's just going to hand you several billion dollars? That's how corrupt it is. It's truly disgusting. Government could buy ivermectin and hand it out to every single human being for a fraction of what they've done, and they would solve it all. Do you know, folks, that just over the weekend, this is very important, a new study came out. This was... There's something called a Cochrane Standard in academics, a Cochrane Standard. They apply the highest standards to the mathematical equations vouching for the risk-benefit analysis of ivermectin based on the meta-analysis that's out there. Okay, And, and so far, there's about, ooh, I want to say, there's more than 50 studies that have been done on this, about 30 randomized controlled trials of various sizes, various stages, and... They note in this study, this was a study, it was published by UK researchers in the American Journal of Therapeutics. And they, they concluded, moderate certainty evidence finds that large reductions in COVID-19 deaths are possible using ivermectin. Using ivermectin early in the clinical course may reduce numbers progressing to severe disease. The apparent safety and low cost suggest that ivermectin is likely to have a significant impact on SARS-CoV-2 pandemic globally. Yet it's a blackout. Men, do men on the street, do men on the street, how many people have ever heard of ivermectin? 
After months of this, they conclude ivermectin is not a new and experimental drug with an unknown safety profile. Listen to this. It is a WHO essential medicine already used in several different indications in colossal cumulative volumes. Quarters, uh, steroids have become an accepted center of care in COVID-19 based on a single RCT of dexamethasone. Right, Dexamethasone is, aside from remdesivir, that's the steroid that NIH and others say to use. And by the way, um, all the doctors that have studied this say methylprednisone works much better, but whatever. But 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 the, this is the first study that makes the point politically that many of us have been making. Dexamethasone was approved as a COVID treatment based on one RCT. They conclude, if a single RCT is sufficient for the adoption of dexamethasone, then dozens of evidence, two, two dozen RCTs support the adoption of ivermectin. Why has that not been approved? And folks, I think we all know the answer as to why it hasn't been approved. Because it would actually solve the problem, and they can't have that. It ends the tyranny, it ends the fear, it ends the cronyism, it ends the vaccines, it ends the wonder drugs. Yes, they are willing to have people die for their political agenda. And if you don't realize that now, you're blind as, as a bat. And not the Wuhan bats that evidently did not spread this virus. There's also another interesting thing. It appears that, and from the doctors I've spoken to that are very heavy into ivermectin research, this new Merck drug uses one of the three ways ivermectin addresses the virus. So in other words, one of several antiviral qualities to ivermectin is that it disrupts the viral RNA-dependent RDRP. Okay? And I'm just going to explain to you the way two Italian doctors in a study published in Nature describe this process of ivermectin. The RDP residing in NSP12 is a centerpiece of the coronavirus replication and transcription complex and has been suggested as a promising drug Tar a promising drug target as it is a crucial enzyme in the virus life cycle, both for the replication of the viral genome, but also for the transcription of subgenomic mRNAs. Ivermectin binds to the viral RDRP and disrupts it. The highly efficient binding of ivermectin to NSP14 confirms its role in inhibiting viral replication and assembly. It is well known that NSP14 is essential in transcription and replication. And, and uh, ivermectin undoes that. If you look at the data on this molnupravir, it, it copies that same mechanism. Except ivermectin has several others. So why wouldn't you use the thing that's better, it's already safe, it's already known, it's already cheap? Why have a copy-off that only addresses the virus in one way? But moreover, what it tells you is that Merck isn't stupid. They took Iver at the same time they're saying, I don't know, ivermectin might be a problem, it doesn't work. They know it works. They took it, copied it in some way, and then now are repackaging something to rip people off. And this, folks, is why we have no free market in healthcare. Because government is ensuring that they don't have to innovate and provide things that the market and the people are willing and can pay for at that price. Government pumps so much money to them, so they have no need to make it cheap, certainly, but even really safe and effective. And that brings us to the vaccines. You see, government's going to back them, absolve them of, of all liability, force youngsters among everyone to take it, market the hell out of it at every level of culture, economy, government, media, and they'll never get punished. It's heartbreaking. People on social media all over showing stories of just young children who got it and died immediately or within a few days. Heartbreaking. What is going on here? If all that, okay, if you just address myocarditis, okay, no other symptom, and we're not even getting to long term effects, we're not even getting to it. If you look at 
myocarditis, you look on the VIRS, okay, that's the vaccine reporting system for CDC, 1990 to 2018. So it's a 28-year a window. Every vaccine that's ever been administered then. There were a total of 708 myocarditis events. Just in less than six months of this one, we have 1160, okay? And I'm forgetting which now, now which age group that is. If you expand it to chest pain, just for chest pain, all vaccines ever in the system for 17 to 44-year-olds, 7,975. That's since the beginning of time. COVID vaccines in just six months, it's almost 9,000. Nothing to see here. Shut up. Can't say anything. Meanwhile, these same SOBs, it turns out now, this is from um, townhall.com, Matt Vespa, turns out that Anthony Fauci blocked 50 to 60 million tablets of hydroxychloroquine. According to Peter Navarro, that was Trump's uh, Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy guy, um, he was one of the few guys in the admin who was actually part of the MAGA agenda. He said, he claims that around 60 million tablets of hydroxy could have been used to treat 5 to 6 million patients, but Fauci refused to budge. He did this in an interview with Larry O'Connor, um, and he accuses him of blocking 60 million doses. Truly sick, sick people. So they blocked the cure. They pushed something that has not proven to work, but has proven to have problems. They shoved on children who have no problems. And now we're seeing, so from the Boston Herald, an 80% increase in mental health-related pediatric visits to emergency department. Three times as many patients ages 8 to 18 following suicide attempts with 13 and 14-year-olds representing the highest proportion. All for a lie. Yes, they come, they see, they conquer. They do. They are willing to do regardless of the consequences or perhaps because of the consequences. Perhaps that's not a bug, that's a feature of what they're trying to do. Do you know, folks, on top of the fact that the virus is not a problem for them, on top of the fact that they don't need this stuff, on top of the fact that the vaccines are problematic, particularly for children. Do you know that if you look at the CDC's own data, nearly 42% of Americans aged 5 to 17, that's K through 12 children, have already gotten the virus. If you look at their, if you go to CDC, you could Google CDC estimated rates of COVID-19 disease outcomes per 100,000, and they break it down by uh, age group, and you will see that if you look at the rate per 100,000, it means that they suspect that 40, it's, it's like 41.6% have gotten it already. Okay, that's the herd immunity threshold that we're seeing everywhere. So the whole thing is built on a lie. The whole thing's built on a lie. They're trying to prevent child transmission with a vaccine of something that 42% have gotten it already. Mentally ill. Mentally ill. You know, we find out that if you look if you look in the VIR system, okay, 12 to 15-year-old males are eight times more likely to suffer from myocarditis after the second Pfizer shot than from the virus itself. Eight times more likely. Who is standing up for our children? N- name me the Republican. Name me the Republican even like questioning it saying, hey, we can't have this going on in our state, or at least say we're going to, we really need to study this. Nothing. How much longer are we going to treat this like an untouchable, like the homosexual agenda? Oh, no, you can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. 
how many more children need to die on the altar of Big Pharma? This is utterly disgusting. And my father was shocked. My father went and got the, got it. And I didn't find out until he was already scheduled. And I was like, oh, I was like, do I say something? Or, you know, he's 70. So, and, and it was earlier on. And I really was not as educated as I should have been. I was suspicious of it. But his age mixed with this. So I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I wish he would have waited. And I explained to him the way it works. And he was like, he was floored. He didn't know that this wasn't a vaccine. And that's the beauty of what the left does. See, what the left does is they just, they define the landscape. Vaccine to most people is a very mellifluous sounding term. It's synonymous with cure. With the exception of a small segment of the country that's been anti-vax, anyone who's not, a vaccine sounds really nice, like you're curing disease. Did you get the vaccine? So they immediately called it a vaccine. I was like, you look at their SEC filings, they call it a gene therapy. It's not. The whole point of the vaccine is it dangles in front of the immune system an inert version of the pathogen, and it responds to it. Here is the opposite. It's inside out. It takes over the internal machinery to produce the spike protein uh, toxin. And now we know there's tremendous problems with that. We're just finding the tip of the iceberg with this. We really are. We have no clue what we're up against. Jennifer Depew here, she tweets that there's a study out that the spike protein breakdown chemicals in water are neurotoxic to tadpoles. It's a toxin making urine of recently vaccinated people a toxic waste entering the water supply. I don't mean you're drinking water, but, you know, the ecosystem. These people are walking around with a toxin in their body. And folks, there's another important point I want to make here. So you're going to hear a lot of the latest panic porn. They have to have something. So it's always, oh, you know, every country and state and city and date has, has a variant. So there's the Delta variant because more people died than, than anywhere in India, except, well, actually, India has one-seventh the death rate from COVID that America does. But that, you know, you could just lie and make it up. So, oh, the Delta variant is the big problem. Now, really, if you just culture the virus at any given area at any given time, you'll have a certain thing predominating. It is nothing, there's no evidence it's more deadly. So in the UK, cases are going up in certain places, I think mainly, mainly in the north, because the north didn't get nearly as much as the south did. Remember, you can't look at a country, unless it's a tiny country like Israel, in totality, because there's different ranges, different climate zones. This is areas that still haven't reached, reached herd immunity. So it's funny, they're, they're panicking over the, the Delta, but they're missing the point that actually it's herd immunity doing it because they're getting in the areas they didn't have it despite the fact that they have 60%, more than 60% vaccination rate. UK is almost where Israel is in terms of the vaccination rate. Yet they're able to somehow have their cake and eat it too, force the vaccine and force the panic porn and therefore engender a need for the vaccines when they're obfuscating the fact that you, the UK has the highest rate of vaccinations. But there is something interesting. LifeSite News has an article out from Friday, death rate from variant COVID virus six times higher for vaccinated than unvaccinated. Now, again, I want to make it clear. It's not that the Delta variant is more deadly than any other. It's that's just what they have there now. It's probably as deadly as any other one was. So this would apply to any version of the virus. The important point is they find the death rate is higher among those who are fully vaccinated. We'll say, what do you mean? I thought they're vaccinated. How do you get it? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily work. But not only doesn't it work, as we noted, it makes it worse. This is data published by the Public Health of England. 26 people died among 4,087 who are fully vaccinated 14 days or more before testing positive for the Delta COVID variant. This equates to death rate of 0.00636%, which is 6.6 times higher than the rate of 0.000957 deaths, or 34 deaths per 35,521, for those who weren't vaccinated. 
Okay, the data was published in a June 18th report titled SARS-CoV-2 Variants of Concern and Variants Under Investigation in England, Technical Briefing Number 16. <clears throat> Both death rates among the unvaccinated and vaccinated are exceedingly low. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, again, this is basically over with. I'm not trying to, you know, co-opt their panic. I'm just saying at a low level, it is more of a concern. Um with people that had it and again it's mainly in Scotland Scotland didn't get much yet it's in the north since hospitalizations are of concern fully vaccinated people are being hospitalized in the UK at a higher rate than unvaccinated people according to the most recent technical briefing report public health data shows that 2% of vaccinated individuals who who, who tested positive were admitted to the hospital compared to 1.48 for unvaccinated individuals and um Basically, the issue here is, as we noted, you, jeez, this pisses me off so much. It does the opposite of a vaccine. A vaccine gives you an inert version of it, so it's supposed to be safe, and it spawns the reaction. Here, it actually produces the spike protein. So, it primes your body. So, if you go and get it, ironically... Pretend, like, it's it's a double-edged sword. I'm not saying there's zero efficacy to it, but it sure as heck ain't 95% effective. And there's a heck of a lot of side effects, but one of the side effects is that you're going to have a worse, if you are one of those, that, the, that it doesn't work, then it's a double-edged sword. It's going to be worse than not having had it because your body is already primed. It's amazing. Dr. Cole said this months ago on the show, before I even thought about this, and we're seeing that in the UK data, your body is already fully primed for it. It's like being supercharged. And the question is, you know, COVID ain't the only show in town. In America, it's like the number six or seventh virus behind, you know, colds and coronavirus colds, parainfluenza, RSV. What's going to happen with other typical flu-like viruses that we never cared about and you know we lived with them when they interact with the spike protein? Which, by the way, has now been proven an incontrovertible fact, the Harvard study as well as several others, that they lie to us and it doesn't remain in your shoulder, the shoulder muscle. It's everywhere in your bloodstream. And particularly, there seems to be a concern about it depositing in the ovaries of women. UK Daily Mail has a report out. Nearly 4,000 women report menstrual problems, including heavy bleeding or delayed periods after getting their COVID vaccine. The Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency said it received 2,734 reports linked to AstraZeneca jab, because this is what they have in the UK up to May 17th. Another 1,158 reported menstrual changes after receiving Pfizer and 66 after uh, receiving Moderna. So, um, yeah, real nice, real nice. Don't worry, it won't present fertility problems. And it's amazing with pregnant women. Heck, they tell pregnant women you can't even take Tylenol. Really. But, um, but don't worry. Don't worry. They, they could take this. No problem whatsoever. No problem. Even though pregnant women are usually in their 20s and 30s, plus females are lower risk than males to begin with to get seriously ill from COVID. But yeah, this this is what we're doing. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I misspoke there. I always mix up the two. They could only take Tylenol. <laughs> it's um, ibuprofen they can't take. I always mix this up when my wife was pregnant and she had a headache. I would go get her the wrong one. But she, of course, knew. But, uh, yeah, I mean, even Advil, we don't give to pregnant women. So many things. Heck, I think even the ivermectin doctors will tell you not to give them ivermectin. Not that there's evidence is a problem, but anything that hasn't been studied specifically for pregnant women, even if there's no real logical reason to believe it's a problem, we avoid it. But all rules change because they don't abide by rules. They have one rule of engagement, 
we win, you lose. We rule over you. What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? Truly, truly disgusting. What we have here with all of the data. It's just unbelievable when you look at the wealth of information we have about the problems from the jab, the promising nature of so many cheap, effective therapeutics that have long been out on the market that have anti-inflammatory, antiviral qualities. This is not novel, but you got to get to it soon after that. Again, anyone who's not in hospice or whatever who dies from COVID over the last six months and certainly going forward is 100% preventable death. We have the cure to this. The first sign of trouble, you should be giving this people this stuff. And again, if we're going to upend people's lives to the point that you're going to put masks on a two-year-old in daycare on a plane, shut down schools, spike the suicide rate among kids, shut down 38% of the small businesses in this country, will never come back. You know what? For all that, it's not so dramatic to just, if you're that worried about it, take prophylaxis. Even if you don't have it preemptively, if you're that worried to be around people, take ivermectin. Hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxy is very good for prophylaxis in particular because it preemptively poisons the cell. I mean, I think together with zinc, poisons the cell for the virus to replicate. It can't, it just, it can't get off the ground. They knew this. They knew this all along. They lied to us. Truly, truly disgusting. Now, for the end of the show here, I did want to change gears a little bit, but follow the same theme, more speaking about what Republicans have done in contrast to the system, to the elites, to the globalists, where they don't act definitively when they say they're going to act definitively in our interest, the way the left does in their interest. They equivocate, they talk, they talk, they talk, and they don't do. But first, I just want to make another point on this whole you know, vaccine fascism. What's interesting is we've watched over the past couple weeks as the Colorado baker Jack Phillips is, continue, is continuously harassed by the state being forced to bake now not just a, a you know a gay ceremony cake, but a transgender cake, whatever that even means. And I was thinking, you know, we're being told that a private business could force its employees to get an experimental spike protein, uh, you know, toxin in their body, and that's totally okay. Were you vaccinated? Were you vaccinated? Well, why can't Jack Phillips say, I don't want to service this stuff until I know if you have HIV? Oh, whoops. Well, Daniel, it's the, it's the law. It's ADA. Well, why is this any different? But again, I think you know why it's different because the system gets what the system wants. They get what they want. And the Republican Party, unfortunately, is part of that system, by the way. They're all cheering, as I said last week, this court opinion with the Philadelphia Catholic Services adoption case. Um, I did want to get to that at some point, elaborate on that later this week. There's also a lot of crime stories I wanted to get to as well, facts and stories. Um, one other thing that I think is is really important on this, going back to what we started out with, how they say that they are going to accuse America of being racist, upend our entire history, and then they don't debate it. They just do it within a day, and Republicans go along with it. Ron Johnson, senator from Wisconsin, who, by the way, I just have to say, he has been good on ivermectin, and he's really the one that's been pushing some of this stuff. But on this issue, I mean, this is the kryptonite of everyone. Rand Paul, too, who's been great on COVID fascism. I mean, this is the thing. The left enmeshes their most important things in race. So they know Republicans are scared. They'll run for the hills, even the better ones. Ron John was booed at a Juneteenth celebration in Wisconsin. We don't need you out here. That's what they told him. See, it, it's this, this is the amazing thing. Do you think there is any... How many, how many people in the country do you think are like, 
Juneteenth all the way. Nobody. I mean, until they spend the next year jazzing it up and then people will care about it just because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but very few people care. But among those who do, you're pretty nutty if you do, how many of those are like, Juneteenth is the greatest thing in the world and thank you so much, Republicans, for pushing it? Nobody. Um, but here, here we have the Republicans, the homosexual flag, black nationalism, and Marxism symbols in their Twitter threads. It is so emblematic of the Republican Party being a controlled opposition. And, 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 and again, the thing is, the thing here is that the real sad thing is we're suddenly bringing up slavery at a time when it's been long dead, but at a time when slavery for everyone, so slavery of blacks is long dead, well, except for in Africa, but that we're not allowed to talk about that, but um, in America, but universal, universal servitude to government is well and alive, and it crosses all lines. This is the big irony of everyone like, we're celebrating freedom of Juneteenth. Well, actually, because we failed to properly celebrate the Declaration of the Constitution, none of us have freedom. That's the irony coming off a year like this. Like, really? We've all been slaves. They literally are controlling our bodies. This is the irony of the whole Juneteenth thing. And boy, are they pressuring blacks more than anyone else. They're literally targeting them. Just like they used to in the, in the past. They were the lab rats. Now we're all the lab rats, but they, they have the colored people only vaccine lines. Not kidding you. So that's the irony that's missed about all this. Is that we are suffering through servitude once, once again. So why don't we all unite and celebrate July 4th properly and properly push a declaration of independence, a reaffirmation of that. But that would require phony conservatives and Republicans in the states they supposedly control to take the same degree of equal and opposing definitive action in pursuit of liberty and justice that the system, that the globalist, that the left pursues in their outcome of tyranny. But no, we don't have that. We have the opportunity to throw out all these Republicans. And, you know, where's Trump? Trump just endorsed Lisa Murkowski's challenger. Now, that's good news. But I think you all know it's personal. She attacked him. It's only when it's personal. And it's a Senate race. That's all he cares about is the federal thing because that had to do with him. What about the governor's? And speaking of Trump, I just want to end today's show, I meant to get to this, with how Trump in many ways was the opposite of the left. The left, rather than spending a year dangling something in front of us, but not doing it, so then you elicit reaction and opposition and mobilization, right? You just attack and do. Trump, the, the biggest problem we had with him is he was the opposite. He was all bark and no bite. He would go and yelp about something and then like the left would go crazy and mobilize as if he's doing it, but then he wouldn't even do it. Washington Times, Trump's claims on construction of border wall system undercut by GAO audit. As Mr. Trump prepares to make his first post-presidency trip to the border next week, the Government Accountability Office has delivered a scorching report card on his border wall. It calculates that he completed only 69 miles of the wall system he promised, not the more than 450 miles he claimed. The GEO said the administration front-loaded construction of fence panels to meet Mr. Trump's uh, deadline and then meant shortchanging the roads, lights, and other technology for the highly touted wall system. Although 458 miles of new fence panels were erected before it left office, just 69 miles had all of the components that the Border Patrol had planned. Um, now, again, I mean, that that's something. It's not nothing, right? So the headline's a little bit misleading on that. But those of you, we, you know, obviously we, we doubled our audience from COVID fascism, but those of you who are with me, in 2017 and 2018, 2019, you'll remember 
I demonstrated all of the opportunities Trump had and Republicans with the trifecta and the control of the budget bills and all the times they sold us out and all of my colleagues were focused on other things. They didn't push it. They didn't pressure the administration when they had their ear. You know, Just like we talk about how they don't pressure governors. Well, they had the presidency. They didn't use their influence. They made excuse after excuse after excuse. And that's the thing. You know, you look at Obama's legacy. A lot of people have been talking about this in light of the final defeat of the anti-Obamacare forces at the Supreme Court last week. You know, how Obama's massive legacy with the Marxism and healthcare, it endured a triumph. It endured. And, um, I mean, it's devastating. You, you just look at the effect of Obamacare on private doctors. It's devastating. Almost nobody works for a non-corporate system. Um, I think I once wrote an article, and I'll have to dig it up, on how Obamacare led to the consolidation of corporate medicine. And we're seeing now, you know, back then I focused mainly on just the, the gouging and monopoly, and that's how you don't have like free market options and cheaper options and whatever. But now we're seeing it's much worse than that. It's the actual quality of care, the actual options of care you have, and the COVID fascism and other things. You have no privacy, you have no rights, and you don't get good treatment. They're all part of the system. The number of independent doctors that are talented, broad-minded, work independently, are very small, and they're all, they all got gray hair. We're not going to have it for, for much longer. But that was Obama's triumph. Many respects, Trump's, um, you know, everything he did that even was good got reversed. The border wall was his big thing, and it's really very minimal for being the one thing that you accomplish. Again, this is not even to criticize Trump. It's just to demonstrate that the other we're the opposite of the other side. The other side, they want to see the ball in the end zone. They demand results, they want it, and they achieve it. Our side, we want a talking point. And we'll talk the talking point to death. And we think we have the ball in the end zone, and we speak as if we have the ball in the end zone, but indeed, we do not. Outcomes, outcomes, that is what we are going to push and demand. ConstitutionAction.com is my new organization. All volunteer on all ends to sign up to be a Liberty Strike Force team to work together with other listeners of this show who share the exact same views as you do, the same, same values, to focus your activism on the specific civilization issues that matter, but at a local level, particularly in red counties, red states, focus on the issues, pressure them, call them, organize in media, social media locally, on radio locally, Focus on primaries locally, everything from county judge, county commission, and school board to state legislature and attorney general and governor. That is where it matters. That is where this country will be won or lost or portions of this country. But only, only if we fight back with the same commitment to action and, and, and outcomes, the same audacity to do, not just audacity of hope, as Obama said, but the audacity to do. That was really Obama's legacy. You know what? Amidst all of the things that phony conservatives and Republicans seem to adopt and echo and mimic from the left, perhaps that is the thing they need to mimic from the left with success. Folks, got a long week ahead of us as always. Lots of more study, uh, stories and studies probably to cover. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. <laughs>